All right, folks, what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to turn into the Gospel of John, chapter 6. We're still in John, chapter 6. And we're going to continue on. We're still in that discussion of Jesus talking about himself as the bread of life. We're actually drawing to a close in this section. And Jesus is actually exposing the reality of where people are at with his whole conversation, especially today when he makes a very radical call. Radical. Well, it's going to seem radical to the people who hear it. You and I might understand the figurative language that he's using, but it's still radical. Because what you're going to see in the Gospel of John, and which is why we're reading it, we're reading through the Gospel of John to get to know Jesus, but what it's also exposing is, remember I told you, there are three groups of people in this world. There are the followers, they're the people who are interested and believe he's the Messiah and they'll do whatever he wants because they want him. Then there's the crowd, and we're talking about the crowd here. They're interested, uh, but they're not ready to really commit. They want something from him that they want. They don't necessarily want to understand what he's wanting. And of course, there's the religious. They're the folks who, quote, are following all the rules. They judge everybody else, but they reject him. And so we're going to focus again on the whole issue of the crowd. And let me just be honest with you. They can't handle what Jesus is saying. Well, let's look at it together. I want you to look with me. We're going to look at verse 52. Well, just read with me. Verse 52. The Jews therefore quarreled among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Then they said... To them, most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, he who feeds on me will live, live because of me. This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. These things he said in the synagogue as he taught in Capernaum. All right, so here's what we're going to do. First of all, we're going to see murmuring, okay? Just one verse is focused on that, verse 52, and then when we're going to get to verses 53 through 59, we're going to see radical commitment. All right, so let's talk about murmuring, okay? Because we're seeing it among the crowd here, and there's a couple things you need to recognize as we look at this verse. If you look at verse 52, it, it very clearly says, the Jews therefore quarreled among themselves, saying, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Quarreled is a nice way of saying argued. They were really arguing among themselves, trying to understand exactly what Jesus was saying. What was he calling them to? How could this be possible? In fact, remember, they had already said earlier, we know his mom and dad. 
We know this boy. We know he, he grew up among us. Who is, what is he saying? So they're upset. So let's talk about the murmuring, okay? First thing for you to understand with the murmuring, so this is not the religious folks. This is the crowd, okay? First thing I want you to see is this. These people were supportive of Jesus on some level. So when they're murmuring here, I need you to understand they're not opposed to him. They're just not getting it or accepting what he says because really on some level they were supportive of him. How do you know that, George? Well, remember, just the day before when he fed 5,000 of them with, what, five barley loaves, little loaves, and two fish the size of sardines, and their bellies were full, they were ready to make him what? King, proclaim him the Messiah. Now they're like, what is he saying? Is this crazy? What's the matter with him? Who is he? Who does he think he is? They, these are the people who were supportive of him on some level. And I think that's pretty significant, okay? Why is that significant? I need you to understand, we have to be very careful when somebody tells you that they believe in Jesus, don't just automatically assume that they're a believer, a true believer, a follower. Because to be honest with you, Jesus is very appealing, is he not? When you look at what he does in the Gospels, when you look at what he's going to do, when he sets all things right, Jesus is very appealing. And, and so when you just look at that on the surface, you're like, yeah, I want Jesus. But then when you get down into the deep of what it means to follow Jesus and what he's asking of you, then you decide, I don't want that. I can't do that. And they reject. At first they start out okay, but then they've got something else that's distracting them. And I've seen that through the years. I've seen that through the years. Through the years I've seen it through ministry. Think of one person who came and wanted to follow Jesus and was thinking about baptism, but then came back and said, no, I, I can't be baptized because if I am baptized, I lose my support to go to college. So why would I do that? I'd rather go to college. And so they didn't do that. You, you look at some of you, you're like, really? Are you kidding me? No, it is that real. That's an extreme case. But it's that real. It's, it's me as a, a young man in, in, in the National Guard on training for, for two weeks in, in Virginia, sitting in the back of a truck, witnessing to the guys in the back of the truck as we're heading into the barracks that we hadn't even seen yet to get a shower. And I'm sharing with them about Jesus, and a guy looks at me and says, I hear what you're saying, Canon, but I can't go home and tell the woman I'm living with that we have to stop. I didn't even talk about that. I just talked about Jesus. But he understood that following Jesus meant something different. Did you understand what I'm saying? It meant more than just, quote, accepting him. 
See, they, they were all on one level. So that brings me to the next point here. They did not understand what Jesus was calling them to. This is the issue. They just couldn't see it. They couldn't see what Jesus was calling them to as far as their lives. They couldn't comprehend. In fact, they got hung up. Jesus, in this passage, as you look at this, he's going to use figurative language. He's going to use language that expresses what seems to be a reality, but actually is an illustration. So he's going to talk about eating his flesh and drinking his blood. He is not literally saying, come up and chew on my arm or drink my blood. That's not what he's saying here. He's using it figuratively to talk about commitment and about committing themselves to him. But they don't see it. They can't get past what he's saying. And they struggle. And that's where a lot of people are at. And, in these, and to be honest with you, after all these years, when I see people finally realize what Jesus is asking and they decide to do something else? I understand. Because not everybody makes that decision. Nor wants to. Because what he calls us to is radical. Now it may seem simplistic to you and it might seem like, oh that's not radical, that's normal George. Yeah, but to everybody else, it's radical. So let's talk about it. Let's talk about radical commitment. We're going to look at it here in verses 54 through 59. 54 to 59. Well, 53 through 59. Let's start, first of all, taking it section by section. Let's take it one step at a time here. Look with me at verse 53 and 54. Most assuredly. Okay, so let me just stop. What's he saying there? He's trying to get your attention, telling you, pay attention to what I'm going to say because this is truth. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. And whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. All right, so let's stop. First of all, he's not talking about communion here. This is several years before the whole issue of the Lord's table being instituted on the night before which he was betrayed. This is at least one or two years before that. So he's not talking about communion here. But he is using figurative language because that just seems kind of radical. Nobody goes around and says, eat my flesh, drink my blood. You and I, if we were walking in town, somebody was talking that way, we would say, somebody please call the authorities. Something's wrong here, right? Wouldn't we do that? They're doing it in Jesus' day. That's why they're fussing among themselves like, what's he mean, eat my flesh, drink my blood? I mean, they're missing the point. The point is, is he's making a radical call here. He's talking about a commitment to him. He's talking about engaging him on a deeper level. So here's the point I want you to see. Jesus leaves no option by making a radical call to embrace him for life. He is saying here, figuratively, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you won't have life. Now, let me just stop and help you to understand what he's saying. So remember who he's talking to. 
He's talking to Jews. These are not Gentiles. Okay? So these are not Gentiles. These are Jews. These are folks who were raised in Israel at the time. They understood the law. They understood that they, because they were the children of Israel, they were going to receive the promises. The promises were due to them. They thought they were okay. They thought they had life. And here comes Jesus along and he says, listen, listen to me. Most assuredly, I say to you, this is truth. Listen to me. Unless you commit yourself to me. What do you mean? Unless you eat my flesh, drink my blood, you won't see life. You won't have life. Now that would be a shock to them, wouldn't it? To be told that the whole way in which you've been thinking is wrong. And that you need me. Because without me, you won't have life. But he who does, he goes on, verse 54, he who does eat my flesh and drink my flood, blood, I will raise him up. That means resurrection, new life. So he's making a radical call here. Listen, folks, when Jesus called you to follow him, it was a radical call to you to follow him. Not just to make sure I got that heaven thing taken care of and I got my stuff taken care of with forgiveness. It was, I'm following you, Jesus. Wherever you lead me, I'm following you. I'm there. That's what he's calling us to. Now, let me just stop for a moment. Even what I just said right now would be difficult for some folks. Because what we want is heaven later on and forgiveness right now. But Jesus is calling you to something else, right? Well, let me, let me help you to understand what I'm talking about, okay? So everybody here understands dating, right? Dating relationships, going with someone. Remember, let's, let's, let's go back to high school for a minute, okay? If I can remember, all right? So high school, that's almost 40 years ago for me. All right, so, well, 40 years ago. Okay, so you got a couple, oh, they got googly eyes, and, and they're going with each other. Now, when you go with somebody, who are you supposed to be committed to when you're in that relationship with them? Who is it? The other person, right? And what that means is, is now your focus, your attention, your commitment is to who? That person, right? Now, but here, guess it's high school, okay? So what happens in high school is that there are other people. There are other fish in the sea. There are other people to distract you. And so if you've got somebody who is in this, quote, dating relationship, and all of a sudden they're starting to pay attention to if it's a guy, other girls, or if it's a girl, other guys, their, their attention is divided. And what happens? Drama in high school, right? Because you're not being faithful. And everybody understands that, right? And everybody would say to the guy who's looking at another girl, what's the matter with you? Or to the girl who's looking at her there, what's the matter with you? That's not right. 
No one would say, oh, it's okay to enter into a relationship and be free as a bird looking everywhere else, right? Nobody would say that that's okay. But we do the same thing with Jesus. We want the benefit, but we also want the freedom. We want the benefit. We want the heaven later on, forgiveness of sins now. But we want to do whatever we want to do. And for some people, the thought of not being able to do whatever we want to do and do what Jesus tells us, that's radical. But yeah, that's what he says, isn't it? Make a radical commitment to him. He leaves no option. There's no option with Jesus. There's no choice. When you make that radical commitment to him, it's, it's that commitment to him. So let's go on here. Look with me at verse 55. It all goes back to the issue of satisfaction. Look with me at verse 55. He says this. For my flesh is food indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. That's what the New King James. Some of the other versions say it this way. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Now, what's he trying to emphasize here? It goes to the whole issue of what should satisfy your soul. Satisfy who you are. And I think we all understand that, right? Because every one of us is trying to bring satisfaction in some way to our lives. But what he's trying to tell you is, is my life, my flesh, my blood is true food and drink. Okay, here's the point. Jesus points out that his body and blood are the true means to satisfaction. When are we going to learn that? I mean, I, I, I even struggle with this. Somehow, as, as I go about life, I get so distracted and I think, oh, man, if I could just get this one thing, then I'll be satisfied. So you get it. I'll, I'll use computers. I've used computers since 1982, okay? I like computers. I love being with computers, all right? Now, I always think, man, if I could just get that new system and be one-tenth of a second quicker in bringing up that program, or if I could have that better internet service, then I will be truly satisfied. It doesn't even last two weeks. Why? Two weeks later, a new system comes out that's even faster. Do you know what I'm saying? Make it a car. Make it something you're hunting for. Make it a relationship. It doesn't bring satisfaction. If I reach this certain income level, then I'll be satisfied. It doesn't. We are in a constant life of trying to find something that will fill the emptiness of our hearts. And Jesus is coming along and he's saying, 
My flesh is true food. My blood is true drink. You want satisfaction, you find it with me. With him. See, that, you know, if, if you don't, if you aren't aware of it, that might actually surprise you. That where you find the peace that you can't seem to find in anything else is with him. It's with him. But he's calling you to something radical. Follow him. Look with me now at, at verse 56. We're going to see an issue here. Look with me at verse 56. He says this. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. Now, that word abide, we're going to look, talk about that more as we get into the Gospel of John. Here's what it is. It is a mutual relationship. That's what he talks about, abiding. It means to remain in, okay? To remain in. So what I want you to see here is the point I want you to see is, is those who respond to his radical call enter into a mutual relationship. And here's what he's saying. If you, if you commit yourself to me, if you, you eat my flesh, you drink my blood, that is you embrace me with your life. You abide in me. That is, you remain in me, you have a relationship with me, and here's what he says, I have a relationship with you. Listen, it's when you came to Jesus, can I be honest with you? Listen to me, I need you to grasp this. When you came to Jesus, this was not just simply you prayed a prayer and so now you're okay. It's you when you committed to follow him, when you realized who he was, and you're like, yes, I know you died for me, and you did it all for me, Jesus. I commit myself. I, I believe you. You entered in that moment into the greatest relationship ever that any human being could ever have. With Jesus. With Jesus. Okay, so I've told you before, I met Lori 30 years ago, okay? Super Bowl party, I don't even remember who played, doesn't matter. That wasn't the most important thing. I met her 30 years ago. <clears throat> so we've been married 28. I'm going to tell you something, I love my wife very dearly. She loves me, but we've come to a conclusion about us. Here's the conclusion, don't be shocked. I am not going to bring total satisfaction to her, and she is not going to bring total satisfaction to me. What's the matter with you guys? Nothing. True satisfaction for Lori, true satisfaction for George is only found one place. Jesus. 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 Did you understand? There is a satisfaction in our relationship with each other. Could it be better? Yes, that's true for anybody. But with human relationships, it can only go so far in meeting the emptiness of your life. 
That's because that emptiness is meant for God to fulfill and bring satisfaction. Do you understand? And what he says here is that those who respond to him, they enter into that relationship, that abiding, that mutual relationship with him. And that's what brings you satisfaction. I'm, listen to me. You say, well, you know, I'm looking, I'm looking, I can't find it. You're not looking good enough in the right place. And the right place is with Jesus. That's where you need to look. He goes on another point here. Look with me at verse 57 now. This is, what, this, is, this is interesting. Look with me at verse 57. He says this. As the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. What's he saying here? As the Father sent and sustains Jesus, he gives life to those who respond. Listen, how do we know that this is going to be for sure if I commit my life to him. He's saying, look, just as the Father sustained me and sent me to you to give you this message for you to come to me, he says, that Father will give you life. And he'll sustain you. He'll sustain you. Oh, that sounds good, George, but you don't know how often I mess up. Look, I understand that, okay? Let, let's just get everything out on the open here. Everybody messes up in their relationship with Jesus. Does everybody understand that? Ain't nobody perfect. And on some level, you're not doing right. But you did make that commitment to follow him. And you know what? As you make that radical commitment, just as he sustained Jesus, he sustains you. And he will guide you through whatever it is. But you just got to keep remaining in him. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? You've got to keep remaining in him. So as the Father sent and sustains Jesus... He will give life to those who respond. We've got two more points here. Look with me at verse 58. We're actually going to see him from verse 58. This is the bread which came down from heaven. Not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. Two things I want you to see here. Again, what's happening here? Jesus states again that he is the bread from heaven that brings true satisfaction. He's the bread. He's the only one who's going to bring you true satisfaction. Reminds me of a story years ago. I was reading, and it was set in England, you know, with the lords and the servants. And so this lord was walking through his manor, and he heard these two servants fussing, and one of them said, Oh, if I could only get 10 pounds, then I'll be truly satisfied. And the Lord of the manor was like, man, 10 pounds brings true satisfaction? That, that'd be pretty good to see. So he, he walked into the room hearing them say this, and he gives her 10 pounds and says, here, here's 10 pounds. As he walked away, he heard the lady say, I should have asked for 100. 
We can't find it. We can't find that satisfaction. But many people try, don't they? They're chasing after it, thinking that somehow that they will find it. But they're not. They're not. Because he's the bread who comes down from heaven. He's saying, eat of me. That's the whole figurative language here. He's the bread. Eat of me. Commit yourself to me and you will have satisfaction. Because if you don't and you focus on the temporal, here's the final point. The temporal does not lead to satisfaction and they still face death. The temporal doesn't lead to satisfaction. You know, that's being lived out for me almost on a daily basis. You know, I, I grew up an army brat. I think some of you know that. I was born in Germany in an army hospital in army diapers. And uh, my formative years, teenage childhood, and up to the time of going to college, I lived in and out of military bases throughout the East Coast. And even then, when I went off to school, I never really, had, home was where you laid your head. That was kind of where I grew up. I never had one place that I settled down for a long time. And even when Lori and I first entered into, got, first got married for our first few years and the first ministry of the church we went to, I was only in the first church for four years, then we came here. I'm going to be honest with you folks, we've been here now 20, over 20 years. This is the longest I have ever been anywhere. Period. And so with that, you're like, wow. Okay, so we've been in this same house. I've been in the same house now over 20 years. Okay, so I can remember now because we have this project going on when my brother-in-law helped me put in a corner shower in our basement, in our room down, in our bathroom downstairs. We are now ripping that shower out to put a new shower in. Why? It was temporal. And 20 years ago, we painted a room, and we really loved the colors then. Well, it's 20 years later. It's not looking the same anymore. Plus, that color is kind of ugly. Let's change it. That's temporal, isn't it? Now, that, that, you see that when you're in one place for 20 years, but you and I know what it means. You know, because you go, I, man, I'm longing for that vehicle. Got that vehicle. Oh, it's really great. Give it a few winters here in PA. It won't look the same. Because something is rusting it out. It's all temporal. We face it every day. But yet we somehow think that the temporal will bring us the satisfaction. This is what Jesus is saying to them. Look, they got bread from heaven every day, manna. It was only good for that one day. Remember from Exodus? That bread was only good for one day. By the end of the day, it spoiled. And they ate bread from heaven for that one day. And guess what? They still died. Why? Because it was temporal. Jesus says, I'm offering you something that is beyond here. 
is forever. And it's the relationship with him. It's with him. Here, I want you to think of it this way. Okay. So would everybody agree when you go to be with the Lord in the new creation, okay? In the end of time, when you and I are with him in a new creation, we're going to spend a lot of time with Jesus, right? Would everybody agree with that? Don't you think it would be better if we got to know him now than if we just showed up there and tried to get to know him? But isn't that the way a lot of us are living? Oh, I got this relationship, but I'll get to know you later, Jesus. It means getting to know him now. So do that. And that's really where it's going with this discussion. He's making this radical call. It's more than just forgiveness. It's more than just heaven later on. It's Jesus. And having him again. What do you mean again, George? Well, we lost it in the garden. But we can have it again now. If we would just commit ourselves to him. Let me pray for you.